think I'm on now, but um, go ahead and turn your Bibles, if you would, to um, Judges chapter uh, 13. We'll stay in the book of Judges for the most part tonight. This month we've been um, learning a lot about um, correction, um, chastening, and uh, the greatest truth that we've been learning is that um, it ought to be done in love, and that's how God does show that we are His children, that we are His own, is that He does correct us and He does chasten us when we start to go astray, when we start to um, go away from uh, His will for our life. And... um, you know, the Proverbs 3.12, as it's our memory verse, says, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Um, so it's, he does it because he loves us, and because he has something for us, and he wants us to line up with what um, uh, he has for our lives. And uh, oftentimes we miss out on the blessings, we miss out on, on uh, the rewards and things that God has for us because we want to do things our own way. And, um, and oftentimes, he has to discipline us, and, and um, you know, we've, and that's what we've been learning about. And, uh, but tonight, I want to um, bring a message, which, I, which I've entitled, Recognizing Correction Before It's Too Late. Recognizing Correction Before It's Too Late. Every person in here needed correction at one time or another. Um, and probably most of us, when that correction was taking place in our life, fought tooth and nail against the one correcting us, and uh, and has gotten us even further in trouble. Uh, usually, chastening and correction are are usually not pleasant. No one enjoys being corrected or disciplined. We just don't like it. Uh, it's it's just part of our nature. We don't like uh, being told what to do. Uh, but most of our good behavior is learned behavior. Uh, the bad behavior we're born with as part of our sin nature. Uh, and it's, it's natural for an infant to want to take a toy from another child because they want to play with it. Uh, I mean, you can imagine, you know, Connor and, and Jessica are playing together and Jessica's playing with a ball and we know how much Connor loves balls and, and so he just walks over there and he steals the ball from Jessica. And of course, you know, Jessica she doesn't like that so she starts crying and... and uh, uh, you know, tries to take the ball back and they start fighting and things like that. It's in their nature. Um, but if they're not taught how to share, if they're not taught, you know, you don't just walk over and steal and take what you want just because you want it. Um, if it doesn't, if it isn't stopped young, then that child will grow up with a mindset that I can take what I want. It doesn't matter what, you know, what, uh, what you have or if it's against the law, if I want it, I'll take it. Um, but when we do something, or when we, think, uh, when we think something that is wrong, we start going down the wrong path, I'm thankful that God doesn't just zap us with lightning. I mean, you know, as soon as you start thinking of a bad thought, then, you know, pow. I'm glad that God doesn't do that. Usually, He tries to correct in word before action. Um, when we're doing something that we shouldn't, you should be hearing the Holy Spirit telling you, you know what, that's not a good idea that you're doing. Uh, that thought, you really shouldn't be thinking that. You know, those things that you're thinking about, if you don't stop it, you're gonna be, it's going to take you down a path you don't want to do. 
But most of the time, we don't want to listen. We don't want to listen to the Holy Spirit. We still disobey, and finally God has to take action to correct us. Uh, I'd rather be so sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life that when I start to pursue something wrong or harmful, that I stop as soon as He warns me. That I don't have to get to that point where He has to chasten me. Where He says, you know what, you know, whatever you do in your life, you need to correct that. You need to stop that. I'd rather get to that point where I said, okay, all right, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, that's what I'll do. I'll make that change. Uh, but sometimes we don't want to, and so He has to, uh, he has to chasten us. It's like, it'd be like, you know, uh, for the most part, you know, if I'm walking down the train, uh, some train tracks, and all of a sudden in, in the distance here, I hear the train, you know, blowing its whistle and that it's coming down the, the track. And, um, you know, it's giving a warning. There's a train coming. If you don't, you know, get off the railroad, you know, uh, otherwise you're going to get ran over. And I said, and, you know, I think, ah, that's too far away. I'm not going to listen to it. And I keep on, you know, walking down the railroad. And uh, pretty soon, you know, you hear that, that warning once again. And, and uh, it's much closer. Um, and sadly, most of the time, instead of getting off the railroad, we want to stay on it. And we end up uh, seeing disaster in our life that sometimes is very costly. And, uh, and tonight we're going to look at um, a situation like that. Tonight I want to look at a man who was destined to do great things, but he let his flesh lead him astray until finally God had to chasten him. This man accepted and learned from the chasing and finished right with God. But tonight I want to look at the life of Samson. Samson, has he does have some great uh, characteristics, there's a lot of good examples that you can take from the life of Samson. There's a lot of uh, good principles that you can take from uh, the stories and things that um, the, the, the chapters that deal with Samson's life. Um, there's a lot of good truths that we can take from it. Um, you know, he's not, a, he's not a bad guy. He's not a complete failure. But he had flaws, just like you and I. Uh, he had imperfections. And, uh, you know, it's easy because we can look back and say, oh, he didn't do it right there. He didn't do it right there. Oh. Man, he blew it there. We, we can look back on his life and say that. Whereas, you know, in our own lives, you know, sometimes as we're going through our life, we can't, we can't see what's going to happen. And, and so it's easy to judge Samson because of what uh, he did or did not do. And let it be a caution to our lives. We may see the results, but let it be a caution in our lives that we don't do the same thing that he did. That we learn from his mistakes. We learn from his life. That's why his, his failures, that's why he's, uh, his accomplishments, that's why his life is in scriptures for us to be able to, to learn and to, and to live by. Um, so tonight I want to just look on and focus on how he did not recognize God's chastening and his correction and warnings before it was too late. Let's go ahead and go to a Lord in prayer and we'll jump right in. Father, we thank you. Again, for your word, I am so thankful, Lord, that uh, uh, you give me opportunities, Lord, to change and to correct my path before you have to step in and sometimes uh, chasten me a bit. And uh, Lord, I, I, I thank you that, um, that your word and the Holy Spirit are the first tools you use most of the time. And uh, Father, I pray that you would just uh, teach us tonight as we look at the life of Samson. God, that um, maybe there are some areas in our life that we just have to be careful of and just kind of um, look for the warning signs before uh, we can end up doing something that we regret. 
And Father, I just pray that you would just bless this time that we have uh, this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so everything has a beginning, and so I want you to, to first of all, in, in uh, Judges chapter 13, look at Samson's birth announcement. Samson's birth announcement. Verses 1 through 5. Chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. It says here, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren, and bearest not. But thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So as you see here, Israel had backslidden and fallen away from serving God once again. They started to do evil and turn their back on God. And so God allowed the Philistines to come in and conquer them and rule them. Uh, now Samson's parents were from the tribe of Dan. And they were unable to have children until this time. And uh, Samson's announcement of his birth was far from ordinary. I mean, most people don't have angels come to him and say, you're going to have a child. Uh, there's only very few circumstances that happen. Um, but here, this happens in their life. So this is, this is a, an extraordinary event. Uh, the angel came to his mother first and told her that she was going to have a son. But he gave her special instructions how to care for him. Look at verse 4 and 5 again. It says, Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come to his head. So, you know, here is probably one of the greatest evidences and proofs before modern medicine that showed that uh, what a mother ate, what she took into her body, affected her child when she was pregnant. And, uh, and so here... Uh, he's being, she's being warned, don't even, don't, you know, don't drink any alcohol, don't drink, don't eat anything unclean, uh, because, um, this is going to be a special child that is going to be, um, a Nazarite. And so, um, when she heard Nazarite, I think that kind of made her wonder a little bit because, uh, usually a Nazarite was someone who was older, who, who could voluntarily, uh, make a vow to separate themselves for a period of time, entirely to the Lord and to His service. Um, but here, she was told that he was going to be a Nazarite from his birth. So he wa- it wasn't a, a choice that really, to a degree, that Samson was going to be able to make for himself. He was. This was going to uh, be a part of his life. This is what who he was going to be. Uh, turn with me just real quickly to Numbers chapter 6, uh, just to see uh, this little bit about the Nazarite. It was a, 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 a special vow and... Um, that people took um, to dedicate and to sanctify themselves before the Lord. Uh, so Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, real quick. This was an Old Testament um, principle. Verse number 1 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord, 
He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, and shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink. Neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dried. All the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kernels even to the husk. All the days of the vow of his separation, there shall no razor came upon his head, until the days be fulfilled, in the which he separated himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy, and shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. All the days that he separate himself unto the Lord, he shall come to no dead body, or come at no dead body. He shall not make himself unclean for his father or for his mother, or uh, for his brother or for his sister, when they die, because the consecration of his God is upon his head. All the days of his separation, he is holy unto the Lord. So this wasn't just a, a mediocre thing that uh, was being proclaimed upon her son. This was a very serious thing in God's eyes. That you know this child is going to be uh, separated for me. He's going to be consecrated for me from, uh, so that I can use him. And um, uh, Samson was, I mean, just the, the, from the very beginning, he was remarkable because from the womb, his life was to be de- dedicated to the Lord to serve God. And uh, it's neat that it shows here that God had a plan for Samson before he was even conceived and before he was ever born. I mean, before he was even conceived, God had a plan for him. I mean, he, he, he tells the woman, you know, you're going to conceive and, and Samson's going to be a Nazarite. He's going to be sanctified for my use. Um, he already, God already had a plan for him. Well, let's look this evening at Samson's struggles. The very next chapter, the very first verse that we read, Samson has grown up, and the first verse that we read about his adult life is the one thing that he's going to struggle with the most and will cost him dearly in the end. Look at verse number 1. And Samson went down to, uh, to Timnath, and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all thy people when thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Then went Samson down, his father and his mother, to Timnath, and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as as if he would have rent a kid, a a baby goat. Um, And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. So if you see here in verse number one, uh, as he's in Timnath, he happens to see a woman whose beauty is very pleasing to his eyes. Uh, I mean, he knows absolutely nothing about her. He doesn't know her name. He doesn't know who she is. doesn't know what she likes. All he knows is that she's a knockout and that's all he wanted. He just saw a beautiful woman and said, I want her as a wife. And, uh, and that's what he did. Um, so he he goes back and um, uh, he goes back to his parents. Um, Matthew Henry said here he said he that in the choice of a wife 
is guided only by his eye and governed by his fancy must afterwards thank himself if he find a Philistine in his arms. Uh, it's a really good counsel to those who are looking for wives. Uh, don't just look for beauty because you could have a Philistine as your wife. And, um, and she ends up not being a good thing uh, for Samson. Um, but Samson knew that she was also a Philistine. Somehow, some way, whether it was the way that she was dressed or because of the city that she was in in Timnath, that he, he knew that she was a Philistine. She was a sworn enemy. And her people were the oppressors of Israel at that time. She and her people served Dagon and not Jehovah God. They served a completely different God that was against the God of Israel. <clears throat> Just as it was wrong for Samson to desire this woman, it's also foolish for a Christian to pursue someone who is lost, for they also serve a different God. They serve the God of this world and not the God of heaven. We'll see later that this woman will have power over Samson and manipulate him. The same goes for a lost person with a Christian. They will play along to make you happy or get what they want, and by that time it can be too late. It will cause a lot of future sorrow and heartache if you pursue someone who is not a born-again Christian. Now, Samson, he returns home to his parents, and he has almost like a complete disrespect and dishonor for his parents when he comes back to the house. Uh, like the caution of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Samson ignored their advice about mar- marrying a Philistine woman and told them to get her away, to get her anyway, and to arrange the marriage. Uh, even if you look in verse 4, he says, But his father and his mother knew, uh, or sorry, verse number 3, Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, or among all my people? that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistine? Isn't, isn't any of the Israelite girls good enough for you? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. He didn't care what his parents say. didn't care the caution that they were giving him. Uh, they, his parents tried their best to persuade him not to marry this woman. Uh, but when they saw that his mind would not be changed, they gave in. And uh, sometimes that's exactly how the Holy Spirit works. Uh, The Holy Spirit warns us, cautions us, saying, you know what, you probably shouldn't go down that path, you shouldn't do this, and yet when we want to do it anyway, sometimes He lets us, and and we get what we want, and it's not usually the best thing in our life. And uh, um, so be careful sometimes that your pursuits are um, not what God wants. Um, They did not realize that God would end up using this situation to cause trouble with the Philistines. It reveals that no matter how bad a situation is or how wrong, God can still work and use it according to His plan. And on their way down, Samson's attacked by a lion, and Samson kills it with his bare hands. Uh, I know there's a lot more different applications to that portion of Scripture, but to me, I just I, I see it again as, as another warning. Uh, you know, here he is. I mean, a, a lion in a vineyard. I I don't know very often how you know how often lions are in vineyards. Uh, in Israel, I really don't know, but for some reason, this lion was in a vineyard, and uh, when Samson was was there, he attacked Samson. Um, let's look at verse number ten. Verse number ten says here, um, "So his father went down unto the woman, and Samson made there a feast for so used for so used the young men to do. And it came to pass when they saw him 
that they, they brought thirty companions to be with them. And Samson said unto him, unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you, if you can certainly declare it with me, or declare it me within the seven days of the feast, and find it out, then I'll give you thirty sheets and thirty change of garments. So most of us are familiar with the story. I'm not going to be able to tell everything, the whole entire story, because there's so much here with the life of Samson. Um, but, you know, he comes down to, to Timnath there. He holds a feast as a young man uh, did at that time. They had 30 compa- uh, companions come out. And uh, so, you know, just as a young man, he's getting, you know, he's got his, his future wife there. And so he puts out a riddle and uh, says, you know, if you can guess the riddle within seven days, I'll give you these 30 changes of garments. But if you can't guess it, then you need to give me 30 changes of garments and uh, 30 sheets. And, uh, and so after three days, the Philistines, uh, they can't guess it. And so they come to uh, Samson's uh, wife, technically, they're, they're a spouse. Um, and uh, they came to her and they said, you know, uh, you need to tell us, you know, you need to, to uh, ask Samson what the secret is. What is this riddle? And if you don't, we're going to burn you, you're going to burn your father's house down. And we're gonna we're gonna attack you, and, and so um, they basically force her to manipulate Samson. Look at verse number uh, fifteen. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they said unto Samson's wife, Entice thy husband that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest we burn thee in thy father's house with fire. Have ye called us to take that we have? Is it not so? And Samson's wife wept before him and said. Thou dost but hate me, and lovest me not. Thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of my people, and hast not told it to me. And he said unto her, Behold, I have not told it my father nor my mother, and shall I tell it thee? So she says, You know, you don't love me. Surely if you love me, you tell me what this riddle is. You tell me the answer. If you really love me, like you say you do, you would tell me this. Uh, be very careful if you ever hear those words coming from somebody's mouth, uh, because those are usually they're being manipulative, and uh, oftentimes you see it a lot with uh, relationships before marriage. You know, they'll say, "If you if you really love me, you would do this for me." Be very careful of that. Be, uh, if if someone starts saying that, you need to walk away and run away as fast as you can, because they don't have your best intentions at heart. Uh, they only want what they want. Uh, so be very careful. Uh, so anyway, look at verse number 17. And she wept before him the seven days while their feast lasted. And it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her because she lay sore upon him. And she told the riddle to the children of her people. And so the seventh day comes and he asks if they had an answer and they give the answer to his riddle. And, uh, and he knows that it was because that he told uh, his future wife there uh, the answer. Um, and so he ends up going down to uh, Ashkelon, a Philistine main city, and he kills 30 Philistines and takes their clothes and gives it to them. He fulfills his vow. Um, but then he leaves in anger. Uh, he leaves his wife, and he just goes back home. He goes back to uh, where his parents are. And so um, his wife is given to his friend instead. And, um, uh, and so, if you look here, uh, just for the sake of time, we'll just uh, summarize chapter 15 real quickly for you. So, Samson, he in chapter 15, he goes back uh, to Timnath, and he wants to 
uh, make things right with his wife. He brings a kid and, uh, you know, as a gift to kind of reconcile um, the relationship for, for just walking out on her and, and going back. And he finds out that uh, she's no longer his wife and she's been given to his friend. And um, when he pursues and asks why this happened and the father says, well, be, well, first of all, I don't think the, the marriage was, was consummated. And so, and because he left in such a, uh, an anger that her father thought that he didn't want uh, his daughter as his, as his wife anymore. And so he gave her to someone else. And uh, so Samson, he catches, um, <laughs> he catches a bunch of foxes and uh, he sets their tails on fire or, or um, branches between their tails sets them on fire, has them go through the Philistine fields, and all the Philistine fields catch fire. And, uh, and so the Philistines, they know that it's because of what has happened to, to um, Samson's wife, and so they end up um, burning alive uh, Samson's wife and her father. And um, Samson comes back, and he's quite upset that they did this to, uh, to really innocent people. And so he end, he ends up attacking the Philistines, has a great slaughter. He uh, he goes away, and and the Philistines come after him. And uh, that's when we read the great story about how he slays a thousand Philistines just with the jawbone of a of a donkey there. And um, you know, and, and that's the 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 troubles, and, the, and that's how the ana- an, uh, animosity begins between Samson and the Philistines. Uh, Samson ends up temporarily delivering Israel from the Philistines. And becomes a judge of Israel. Um, but let's look at Samson's chastisement. Samson's chastisement uh, in Judges chapter 16. Now, sometime after this great victory over the men that he slaughtered with the jawbone, he ends up going to Gaza. And here we read probably one of the saddest verses of his life. Uh, 16.1 says, Then went Samson to Gaza. And he saw there a harlot, and he went in unto her. He sees a prostitute, and he decides to use her her services. Um, you know, they find out that Samson's there, and he escapes. Uh, and shortly after, in just a couple of verses down, uh, Samson leaves, and we next find him in love with another woman, Delilah. Look at verse number 4. It says here, And it came to pass afterward, that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And, and the lords of the Philistines came up unto her, and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give thee every one of us eleven hundred pieces of silver. Um, this woman's going to end up being his undoing. Uh, he's allowed his his lust to go unrestrained. Uh, this woman was not his wife, and the Bible alludes that his relationship with her was very intimate and not a godly intimacy. And so the Philistines came to Delilah and asked her to find the secret to Samson's strength. This was another riddle to them that they could not figure out. They promised her five thousand five hundred pieces of silver, uh, which was a great sum of money. So she decided to betray the one that she pretended to love. And um, I read this quote here. It says, Oh, what power the love of money has upon those who love it more than others. 
So she then tries to get Samson in chapter 16 to tell her the secret of his strength. And uh, so three different times she asked him, you know, uh, how, what's, how did, what's in your strength? How, how can uh, you lose your strength? And uh, each time, uh, you know, each time it doesn't work. And, uh, but look at her responses to when, when it fails, when her, when her tests fail. Uh, look at verse number 10. Again, she said, And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. Look at verse number 13. And Delilah said unto Samson, because again, this next attempt failed, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head uh, with the web. So he gives her another Another way that, uh, you know, basically an, uh, an untruth that there's no way that that's not what is a secret and how he could be bound. Uh, but ver- look at verse number 15. And she said unto him, How canst thou say I love thee when thy heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. So here's those words again. You say you love me but yet you won't do this for me. She didn't stop after the three times though, but was persistent and daily asked him to reveal his secret. Look at verse number 16. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite, Unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. She knew she finally had him, and so she called the Philistine lords once again. Sadly, she caused Samson to fall asleep on her lamp, and Samson was given a haircut, and he had no idea that it was happening. I'm, I'm guessing either she must have uh, drugged him or did something to where he was completely out. Matthew Henry uh, had a comment. He said, Satan ruins men by rocking them asleep, flattering them into a good opinion of their own safety, and so bringing them to mind nothing and and fear nothing. And then he robs them of their strength and honor and leads them captive at his will. When finished, she called out an alarm, like before. In the other three examples, you know, she said, "The Philistines be upon us, rise up." And um, and when she says that to Samson, Samson gets up like he did in the past, and he didn't realize that God had departed from him. But in reality, Samson had departed from walking with God for a long time, and he couldn't even tell the difference when God's anointing left him. The Philistines captured him, and God allowed him to do something horrible to him. Look at verse, uh, let's see here. Let's here, verse number, uh, verse number 21. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes, and they brought him down to Gaza, bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. So here, 
they put out Samson's eyes and they permanently blinded Samson. How that, what they did was they used a, probably a hot poker or something like that. His eyes kept getting him into trouble. They were unrestrained. And this led him into a life of sin. And so God had to chastise him. And he removed the thing that was causing him to fall. Ultimately, God used the Philistines to break Samson's pride and to humble him. And also to expose the sin in Samson's heart with his lust. Samson was now enduring the chastening of the Lord after several repeated attempts to get his attention. I mean, every single time. You know, here Delilah says, rise up. And you would think that after the first time, he says, something's not right here with this woman. (laughs) Uh, But he thought he was invulnerable. He thought he couldn't be stopped. He thought he couldn't. They, he could beat anybody that that came upon him. He didn't take the warnings from God seriously. They bound him with chains of brass, and they brought him to Gaza and made him to grind wheat by manual labor. I don't know if you know how they used to grind wheat back in those days, but they used to have a mill, and uh, they would either have uh, manual labor with with prisoners or people who. Um, were slaves, or they would use animals, and they would have a wheel that would basically would grind the mill, the, the mill or the meal or whatever, and uh, they would go around in a circle, and that's what they would do all day long is just push, uh, basically push a lever all the way around the circle that would grind the meal, and so here now they had perfect manual labor, and so they put him in there, and that's what he did every single day was grind, grind the grain. Just early in the chapter, in order for Samson to escape Gaza after uh, he had been with the, the harlot, he ends up tearing the gates off the city and carrying them away from the city. I mean, I can only imagine how heavy these gates are, the doors. I mean, he just he takes the doors and the beam, and he just puts it on his shoulders, and he just walks away. I mean, my mind's eye, I can't even hardly picture this. I mean, just carrying something like this. But now, Samson is being led back into Gaza where he had just earlier shown this great feat of strength. He now returns humiliated and the laughing stock of the town. His pride had been humbled. Lastly, tonight I want you to look at Samson's faith. Thankfully, the story does not end there. Some of us will probably think that God was being unfair and the severity of Samson's chastening. But Samson was one of God's anointed vessels and was of his chosen people. Samson had fallen very far away from God. And when someone is so backslidden like Samson, it sometimes takes extreme situations and chastening to turn their heart back to God. Sometimes it takes, really, God kicking the pedestal out from underneath them. And they have to fall flat on their back. Sometimes that's what it takes. It seems that after he was brought to Gaza, as I read and just as I read the scripture here in chapter sixteen, it just I see him getting right again. That he had to have repented of his sin and the dishonor that he brought to God's name, because his hair began to grow again. This was the symbol of his Nazarite vow with God. Now, 
we know that his, the strength didn't come because of his hair. But his hair was the symbol that, of God's anointing in his life. And so even though he maybe didn't know, maybe he couldn't tell, I don't know. But his hair began to grow again. It kind of is puzzling to me why the Philistines wouldn't cut it. You know? Because <laughs> they knew before that was the source of his strength. But they must have thought, you know, well, because he's blind, there's no way that he can do any harm now. But his hair began to grow. <clears throat> Sometime after Samson's capture, the Philistines decided to have a feast in celebration of their victory over Samson. They falsely believed that Dagon had been the one that gave them victory. Look at verse number 23. It says here, Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their god, and to rejoice. For they said, Our god hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their god. For they said, Our god hath delivered into our hands our enemy, and the destroyer of our country which slew many of us. And it came to pass, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he, that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. Sometimes when we're being chastened by God, our adversaries rejoice over our suffering. The world... Sometimes it's, it's weird, but when, when a Christian falls, the world rejoices. And uh, here, Samson has, to a degree, he has fallen from who he was, the, uh, the symbol of, of, of Israelite, of the Israelite people. And here, now, it seems like they have power over him. But when their hearts were heavy, or sorry, when their hearts were merry, uh, basically when they were becoming drunk with wine, they called for Samson from the prison because they wanted to make sport of him. In other words, when he arrived, they began to uh, laugh at him, you know, shuffling and unable to see where he was going. I mean, now, you know, they didn't have walking sticks. They didn't have guide dogs back in those days. And so Samson had to be led by the hand by a little, by a little lad, uh, by a child. And so here's this great, this great man, uh, you know, known for his, his tremendous strength being led about by a little child. And um, I'm sure they probably hit him and teased him and made games at his expense. I mean, you can imagine, you know, he can't see anything, you know. They'll probably put like a feather or a uh, stick or something like that, you know, poking him and, you know, running around as he tries to swing and trying to, you know, try to catch who's doing it. And, I mean, it was a game to them. You know, here was this great, you know, man of, of, of the Israelites, and, and here they were humiliating him, making fun of him, getting a laugh out of his... Uh, out of his situation. Samson finally asked the lad that who led him around to bring him to the pillar so that he could rest upon them. Uh, though Samson could not see, he understood the dishonor the Philistines were causing to God's name because of his sake. And uh, let's look actually to um, verse number 26. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about three thousand men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. So just on the roof is three thousand people. I mean, this building had to have been 
massive. Um, where they were, and I mean, I, I, I couldn't even guess how many people were actually there. Um, and said here, uh, verse number 28, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, of the one in his right hand and of the other on his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all of his might, and the house fell upon the Lord and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down, took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtoal in the very place of Manoah his father. And he judged Israel twenty years. So he prayed for strength one last time, finally realizing that it was God who gave him his strength and not his hair. One final push with all of his might, he brought the house down, literally. All the lords who paid Delilah were probably in that number. And they all died. Samson ended up sacrificing his life and with his last act he slew more Philistines than he ever did during his entire life. In conclusion tonight, there are, there are a lot of good things about the life of Samson I didn't highlight for the sake of time. But in general, the story of Samson is a tragic tale of a life that could have been lived for the Lord's honor but was limited by the desires of the flesh and sin. I mean, can you imagine, with the, with the great strength that Samson had, I mean, there could have been legends written of his exploits against the Philistines. I mean, you know, in men's camp this year, we learn about Adino and, and Eleazar and Shammah. And, and you know, in, my, in our mind's eyes, you know, we think of Adino killing 800 men at one time with a spear. He, he must have been a, a hulking guy and, and did some mighty things, but the biggest difference was is that Adino was serving God. He was he was in God's will. He was doing what God wanted him to do. And I mean, can you imagine what could have happened had Samson focused his life upon God? I mean, we would be reading possibly more of his exploits rather than his failures, of the great things that he did. But sadly, we don't. Ultimately, Samson had a lust problem that he allowed his eyes to entertain it with. His eyes being removed didn't fix the problem, but removed much of the temptation. Uh, Samson's eyes got him into trouble. And Jesus actually said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 9, said, If thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into the hellfire. Now, Jesus isn't saying go and pluck your eyes out. But he's saying if there's something that's in your life that is causing you to sin, that is causing you to stumble, that is, uh, that is making you um, fall and to trip up, cut it out of your life. Get rid of it. Uh, stop, you know, if you have to, just uh, get it out of your life. Cut it off. <clears throat> Samson was a man who was focused on himself and not those struggling around him. He judged for 20 years and Scripture only records the struggles he had with his own personal issues. We don't see him 
helping other people. It's always about what's what he's going for. Sadly, Samson only reacted when someone did him injustice, never for the help of others. Every time he went against the Philistines, it was because they had done something to him. And it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He always was reacting. I mean, when he, when he was the, the, before he gave his life, he said, you know, that I may have vengeance for my two eyes. You know, that was his focus. It was because this is what they did to me. Help me get, let me have revenge. And it was the wrong focus. He was always focused on himself. Samson is a good reminder of the consequences of living for our own selfish needs and wants. You know, we as Christians can live our lives completely for ourselves. We don't have to live for God and do His will. But at the end of our life, and we stand before Christ, what will our excuse be? When we stand before God and God opens up the books and shows us what we could have, what we've done in our life and what we could have done, what's our excuse going to be why we didn't serve God? Because of what we wanted to do? Because of what we, you know, what we thought was, was more important than God? I sometimes wonder if Samson had regrets after his life ended that he had not lived wholly for God like he was born to do. I mean, I just kind of wonder if he, if he thought about it. He had regrets about what he failed to do. God had several times warned Samson, yet Samson did not listen. Today, God warns us through His Word and preaching, as well as prompting from the Holy Spirit within us. Are you listening for His guidance and direction, as well as His correction? Samson had to have known that the Philistines were in the house of Delilah when she kept asking his weakness and testing his answer. Instead of leaving her in the danger, he thought he was invulnerable, and he paid the price for the enjoyment of his sin in the end. Samson had gone so far away from God in his heart that it finally took severe chastening from the Lord to get his attention and to bring him back in line. The chastening of the Lord worked and it brought Samson back, but at a great cost to Samson. But what's amazing, though, is that Samson did not grow bitter or blame God for his chastening. He didn't blame God for the reason why his eyes were put out. He accepted the chastening and he corrected his walk with God. And uh, when I look at the life of Samson, there's just so many things that, both good and bad. And I know I had to, to skip through a lot, but uh, take time and read these, these few chapters. It, it, you'll see some things that hopefully will encourage your own life and maybe encourage you to, to maybe listen more and, and to look more for the correction when you're going the wrong way. And... Um, God is trying to, to bring you along the right way. And um, so let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. And, uh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for... I thank you, Lord, that you do try to correct me. Father, if I... <laughs> had you not tried to correct me as I was growing up as a Christian, I, I don't think I'd be in church today. Uh, Lord, I had my own thoughts of who you were. I had my own, uh, didn't know nothing about about your word. And was in the world for 17 years. There were some things about me that uh, uh, that were far from perfect, that had to be corrected, that had to be uh, removed from my life. 
And I'm thankful, Lord, that uh, as I listen to your word, as I listen to the preaching, as I listen to godly counsel from uh, from uh, older uh, brethren, that, uh, Lord, you help me to um, to remove the, the junk out of my life. Father, I know I'm not perfect yet. I won't be until I close my eyes in death. But, um, Lord, I thank you that you still work on me, that you still help me and, and direct me. And, uh, and sometimes, Lord, I know you have to chastise me. And, Father, I pray that tonight as we looked at Samson, that, um, uh, Lord, we might see maybe God is, Lord, you're, you're trying to correct some people. Lord, that you're, you're, you're trying to tell them, you know, don't do that. You're going the wrong way. I wouldn't do this. Be careful uh, that they would be sensitive to that. And God, that they wouldn't end up um, enduring the chastening that, that Samson had to go through that, at that extreme. And uh, Father, I just pray, God, that you would. Father, just bless this message that we had uh, heard tonight and your word. I thank you again for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.